Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's our message. Yes, it is. Consistent. A consistent message. It's a good message. But they're not listening. So, well, I started saying to the kids like seven, eight years ago that were taking fentanyl, you know, don't die. As they were graduating from the drug program, I was working, you know, we have in Malibu or, you know, because there's such a high risk of death with fentanyl. So fentanyl had come on the scene, mostly only addicts in the beginnings of drug treatment world knew how, how prevalent fentanyl was it took the government chuck i think three or four years to catch up to what was going on doesn't it always yeah and so so i just started saying to kids and hugging them when they were going their last day or whatever and i would always you know i started saying just the obvious like don't die because when when somebody graduates from a drug program I don't know about you, Mike, you've never been to one, but you're 90% sure they're going to relapse. <laughs> I mean, yeah. numbers rule out that nine out, of 10, nine out of 10 people that get drug treatment use again. And so I didn't want to be the dick. I've taken a lot of people to drug treatment. I know. Uh, how many of them got sober, Mike? <laughs> yeah, a few of them. Maybe some. Some. <laughs> some died. Some. Yeah. Which is a whole nother podcast, which I, I do want to get into. But so, you know, when you're saying goodbye to, and you're hearing about these kids dropping dead, I had just been to a funeral of a friend of mine's daughter who was in the sober college in the Valley in L.A. And I went to her memorial service and they had Chuck, they had a whole wall of kids pictures who had died. They had oh, like a man. memorial wall. And just to look at it, was so breathtaking, it took your breath away. That many kids that have been in this drug program are dead. And so, you know, so that's when I started just saying, don't die, Doc. I'm a survival encourager. I'm not a harm this? reducer. I'm a, I'm a realist. So it's this great comedian. Is it and, Fuquan? And, if Fuquan Johnson? It, it, how do you say that? Fuquan? Yeah, Fuquan. So the girl who survived has been tweeting about it. Like they just got together to, you know, like in the old days, like snort some coke and have some fun and talk about comedy or something. And look, and three of them died, Mike. Three right. out of four of them are dead. Yeah. yeah. You just feel like nobody's listening. Wow. It's just crazy. No, that, but that is, I mean, you can imagine that that's a fairly common ritual for stand-up comedians at the end of a night to get together, let's just do a little bit of cocaine and have a drink or two. And that probably went on for the last, what, 100 years without there being <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of problems? Back, Ever to since Ber back to vaudeville, probably. <laughs> yeah, back to the roaring 20s when cocaine was the, was the cure for everything from the cold to ghosts in your blood, right? So it's like now, 100 years later, they can't even sit around and... and and, and do some cocaine after a show and have some fun with it because that killed 75% of the people in that room. It's crazy. That's just like, it's crazy what's going on and nobody is talking about it. They, because in the media, 
I've, I've looked at a lot of different media reports about it. It's just like a drug overdose. Drug overdose is a common media kind of combo word. I'm sure there's a lot of clickbait about that, right? But when, when you're talking about the historic drug overdoses, John Belushi, River Phoenix, um, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, those were so rare. That's why they're so mind-blowing. It was so rare and, and such right. a strange occurrence. Now it's an every day occurrence. And, 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 and the people haven't caught up to the fact like, no, this was a senseless thing done by just got to be sociopathic drug dealers. I want those drug dealers brought to the Taliban for punishment. <laughs> okay. Do you remember the movie Man with a Golden Arm? I mean, that is your romantic heroin addict. He's got the little skinny drug dealer guy that runs and gets him drugs. It's like cares about him, the little weasel guy. And then, uh, and then, and then Frank Sinatra just gets strung out, and he plays really good music before he gets strung out. He plays really great every time he gets high. It's all like this sort of fifties. It's gone. That era is gone. No, it now it's now, sociopathic little teeth fucking exactly. it, it, like dying online for days like little peep. It's just what is uh, anyways, I turned I was looking forward to talking to Chuck tonight because I had just been oh, what, uh, beyond what? disillusion. Well, because <laughs> Chuck's the reasonable person. Chuck's the reasonable person, Mike. <laughs> Mike, let me tell you the reasonable of the three hosts of Don't Die. I was looking forward to to talking to Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck is the reasonable one. So Chuck, <laughs> how do we how do we get our message out a little bit clearer than don't die? Now here's why. Here's what I know. Here's what I know about these people. They didn't think of themselves as drug addicts. And people think that people like us, drug counselors, are talking to a minor part of the population, which are the drug addict population. No, it's not the drug addict. Well, some of the drug addicts are dying, but now the regular public, like you said, they get off of open mic night at the comedy store and go to do some coke and have some drinks out in Venice and they're all dead. It's That's so sad. It's so senseless. It's so ridiculous. And the, and another train running on this is the fight for uh, uh, legalization of drugs, which I've always been for. That doesn't mean you can sociopathically just kill people because you're too lazy to measure the drugs you're selling. Whoever sold them those drugs needs to die. No. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, I'm telling the most you. unreasonable one, Mike, they need to be brought to justice and put in jail, Bob. I want to talk about the drug dealers that are killing people. I want to know what should be their punishment be? Should it be, oh, no, the person knew what they were getting into, so we're going to decriminalize drugs and no big deal, which is how naive I was 15 years ago. I really was that naive 15 years ago. I'm no longer naive. These sociopaths that sell drugs that kill people, like the kid that killed Mac, Mac Miller and the kid that killed my friend's daughter and the, other, and the person who sold them these drugs, they need to be held accountable not just in a drug dealing way, in the fact that they don't care whether their customers fucking die. No, this is that, that, that that's hard. That's hard to uh, argue with that because it's hit so close to home so many times. And it's not 
And it's not people going crazy and loading up a big old shot and taking no, it to their neck. It's people, it's people eat, they eat a dog. pill or two and they're not trying to even get knocked out. They just want to feel good, you know, and they, they want their chemical feel good and, and it ends them. And I, I'm shocked. I don't know what it will take for people to push for investigations on those kind of deaths. Because you can't be saying that it's just the trash taking itself out when it's like Tom Petty and Prince and Mac Miller and Lil Peep. And it's people that, I mean, Prince used drugs for a long freaking time. Hit Mike here, the most unreasonable one. Yes. Thinks that, Nar that Narcan should be everywhere, should be just in the cupboard everywhere. Anybody who's using drugs, any kind of a drug, should know how to use Narcan. They should know how, they should be like, okay, look, this is what happens if somebody gets some bad shit. Here you go. Boom. Hit them with this. Hold on, though. The point I'm making about these people is they didn't consider themselves drug addicts. It doesn't matter if you're using drugs, you should have some drug addicts Narcan. don't even bring Narcan around with them. Normal people are not going in to. your house, wherever you they're go. not going to a, a normal everyday drug doer who's in treatment right now. His roommate just died and he, he goes, well, yeah, he, he died. They were getting high without any Narcan in the house. So on on street level, the people that use heroin and fentanyl on a regular basis know that you got to have the Narcan in more than one. They know that it takes more than one to bring you back. Now, the other the other thing is that uh, I saw on uh, Dresner's Amy Dresner posted a thing about where a place where you can get one dollar fentanyl testing strips, you know, so really? it's like if you've got to do it, if you've got to do cocaine that night, you know, whatever you got to do the, the cocaine, you, you buy a bunch of these strips and you test your cocaine before you do it. You know, I'm not saying people will do that. And the, re the real drug addicts, like the ones we're talking about, the ones that are in the trenches, aren't going to remember to have those. They, they hardly remember to shower where they live, you know. But the idea that the casual user can at least do that to stay alive another day and not let some punk ass I, I just don't think they are going to. I, I just think they think that, that so, well, the thing I, well, my approach is, scare the shit out of casual drug users, get their attention and then arrest the people that are so callously dealing these drugs so that the drug dealers don't want to do it because there's yes, a heavy penalty, right? right. Minimum and five so, year sentence or yeah. something. Then I'm not going to sell fentanyl anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be picking up for my guy and going, are you sure there's no fentanyl? So in this? here's my perfect storm. I, I think it's a, it's a, a, a dummy proof capitalist perfect storm. So if you make the customer aware that you could die and if you arrest the people that kill people, I, you know, five years is not enough. I'm sorry. I was offended by that. This is premeditated <laughs> murder. In my opinion, you're selling something to somebody, you know, they could die from it. Like, come on, that, that that's unconscionable to me. Unconscionable. And a right? terrible business model. It is a horrible business model on top of all that. So not with, the, not with the internet. They don't. The, well, one of the kids that was playing games with me about the fentanyl when it first came up said, I don't care if the person buys from me a second time. I don't care. I've got the internet. I turn the faucet on. The customers come. I turn it off. They don't care if return business comes because there's so much demand. 
right? That's so crazy. that whole thing of the 18th Street gang <clears throat> wanting to serve you well, so you came back tomorrow and you were a loyal customer at Bonnie Bray or Burlington or MacArthur Park, that doesn't exist anymore. They, it's all done digitally through the internet, through, through social media and, you know, uh, uh, Twitter and all that, or however, I don't know how it actually works, but he told me, you just turn it on. You say, I'm open for business. And then you get all these kind of incomings and you sell everything you've got to them. And then you turn it off and you leave no fingerprints to you. They don't know your name. They don't know who you are. And if they die, that they die. That's what the kid told me. The, we've got to break the drug dealer side of it so that they care whether their customer dies. You know, if you want to know what to do, scare the shit out of the everyday drug user so that they question what's in their drugs to the drug dealer. Like literally I've coached clients of mine, tell them you want pure meth, no fentanyl in your meth. That's the kind of drug counselor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's drug counselor. Again, I, I think that's, <laughs> I said, and so it was this one guy, right? He's going in, he went in and out of aloe, once or twice and then he went to another treatment center he went to another detox and I'm, so i'm texting with him and i talked to him on the phone and i said are you still telling them you don't want fentanyl in your meth and he said no i mean i it's the same dealer and i told them before i said you need to tell them all the time because drug dealers are forgetful <laughs> drug dealers are forgetful <laughs> you need to tell them if you're gonna next time you cop you need to tell them Hey, my drug counselor told me to make sure to make it clear to you <laughs> that there's no fentanyl in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes that's the best we can do, right? I mean, Mike, what, what else do you think is a what do you think if somebody just callously sold these people these drugs and knew that they could die? What do you think the punishment should be? If it's not death and five years is too little, what should the punishment be? Oh, you want Mike unreasonable, Mike, or do you want? <laughs> I want I want unreasonable, Mike. I think you're. I want you slanting towards the Taliban, Sharia law. No, honestly, Bob, I think that drug dealing should be dealt with way harsher than it is. Dealers okay. are going to kill people, and they always have. If you're a professional drug dealer, you should be put away for a way longer period, and it should be a cut and dry thing. Look, you're going to be taken out of society. You're a drug dealer. So, yeah, drug, the point is, yeah, drug dealers have been, they've been contributing to the death of drug addicts all along. But this is different. Don't you think, Chuck? I do. That was the, the whole thing was trying to put ethics into it, right? The idea that you should be an ethical drug dealer if you're going to do something illegal and strictly for the money and not give a shit about human beings at all. I mean, how do you, how do you make that count? And for me... That's why I put up the five years because five years uh, out of circulation, if it's five years in a day and you, you serve the whole term, I'm not going to sell fentanyl. I'm going to stay as far away from it as I can because I know if it's Is just heroin. the number? That wouldn't scare me. I'd just figure five. Oh, I'm served. Uh, they got half time. You know how. No, no, no. Drug five, five, year, five years in a day. You give them five years in a day. It's a mandatory five year. Right. And you put them on a level four yard. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't want to go to jail for even one day. And I, I know that people <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of it. I did not appreciate it. And I, I, I'm too old. But I mean, that would that would keep me from wanting to 
sell that for sure. So we all agree now. We are three. I, you know, I consider myself still a liberal. Mike is an uber liberal, I would say. Chuck, you're a liberal, aren't you? You're, you're like, you're a liberal. We're three it's, liberal guys, would you say? We're three progressive guys. Fairly progressive. Fairly progressive. Three progressive guys saying okay. we need jails. Just like when they started saying defund the police, we don't need the police. I'm a progressive. I was like, no, no, no. I think we need the police. I think we need the police. <laughs> we need to monitor them better. We need to hold them more accountable. But, uh, you know, we need police. Trust me. I was here in the 93 riots and the Rodney King riots. We need police. No, but I do think it's crazy that weren't, weren't I mean, me and Mike have been on the drugs should be legal for 35 years. Chuck, weren't you like a drug should be legal? Like, aren't you a decriminalized drugs type guy? Uh, send the drug dealers to jail and give the drug addicts treatment, whether they're black, whether they're white, whether they're African-American or whether they're white, that, you know, they don't give uh, African-Americans uh, or people of color. Alternative they don't give, sensing. They don't. Give they, don't. They, don't. They, don't. they don't. It's, they a, don't. it's sick. They give, they give and all these, you know, these undeserving. So, Chuck, were you an anti-decriminalization uh, of drugs? No, I, I never, I never even went down that path because that's a totally, I think that's a totally different lane. Like, unlike you guys, I haven't been as politically motivated as I have been on a smaller scale. Well, and let me ask you a personal question. I know that you like, uh, you like to dodge direct questions, Chuck. Chuck. Have you ever worked at a drug program that specializes in alternative sentencing, which is treatment over jail? No. Yes. Where? That's what uh, at Chapman. Tim Chapman has got all the Saska and all the parolees, right? I, I never, I never had. Any, we had, we had mostly um, first generation, first nation people. <laughs> Oh, we had a lot of them. For, yeah, they were all most of the clients I had there were actually from the reservation. Oh, well, you know that he had a Saska contract. That house across from the rehab was all filled with parolees. Oh, no, that that house was was empty and they were remodeling it. Oh, OK. So, you, so you've been at wavelengths a long time. then. Yeah. Did you hear what happened once they got the parolees in there? I heard that there was someone got stabbed or something over there or yeah, shot, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that was, but that was before I started there. You know what they say? You can get the, you can get the prisoner out of jail, but you might not be able to get the jail out of the prisoner or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You can take the boy out of the jail. Saying. You get the yeah. point of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, yeah, you know, and I guess, uh, for that matter, I think Phoenix House, there were a lot of parolees, but the the idea of alternative um, sentencing, meaning the drug laws are draconian. You get in Texas, you can get five years in one day for possession of LSD. You know what I mean? So I've well, always been against the drug laws, which were created by Nixon and Reagan, the great humanitarians of the of the American history. Um, Rockefeller Act, 25 years to life for a third offense for drugs. 25 yeah. years to life. So I've always been, you know, for the decriminalization of drug possession, drug use, whatever. And, and it's always been this question mark. What about the dealers? I have no problem now. The dealers need to be held accountable <laughs> at the highest level. 
right? And okay. I, and this is me as a former drug dealer. And you weren't a very good drug dealer, Bob. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> but I would never, with willful intent, sell somebody something I thought they could easily die of. Like, no, I sold I mean? a lot of people fake shit that yeah, wasn't going to get them high at all. People, I sold a lot. Of, I would I would get some medium strong heroin and cut it in half. So there was no chance of dying from heroin I was selling. It was only because no I cared. Chance. It was only because I cared. <laughs> you know, sue me for having a big heart. <laughs> I was not a very good drug dealer. I could tell one good story. So my friend... <laughs> My friend, did I tell you the pot uh, the pot dealing story, Chuck? When mm. I was a pot dealer for like three weeks, <laughs> I I don't like no. pot. I never liked pot. I never smoked marijuana. I don't like it. It makes me take my clothes off. It makes me really mm-hmm. doesn't make me anxious or paranoid, which is lucky. It just makes me non reality based. I'm not in reality, so. Okay. So, you know, but sometimes that's all you've got on, on the old monster tour van or the monster tour bus. So I would smoke pot as a last resort and I would immediately take all my clothes off. And I kind of like to dance around the tour bus naked. And that's where I got my nickname, Bobby Buckskin, because I was buck naked all the time. (laughs) All right. But I don't like marijuana. So my friend thought who's a marijuana dealer. Uh, you know mike knows who it is jk it's just initials so he thought i would be a good pot dealer because so many potheads come to my house every week right so i would be a good place for him to like get his product out unload some product through so and he said hey bobby i have a way for you to make a little bit of money so and um and so I'm going to, and he, he walked me through it just like I was a child, Chuck, like I was five <laughs> years old. And he gave me, he gave me like $10 bags and $20 bags. And he had them all rolled up already. Oh, you didn't have to weigh out. anything? I didn't have anything? to do anything. And I had like, he gave me 20, like $5, $10 ones and like 20, $20 ones. And he goes, and he goes, so, and he, 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 um, he goes, so I'll come back like in, this is like on a Wednesday. He goes, so I'll come back on Monday. And when you sell a $20 bag, you get to keep 10. And, and when you sell a $10 bag, you get to keep five. And I was like, got it. Got it. Totally got it. This is simple math, Chuck. Yeah. Well, he comes well, back <laughs> on Monday. I have no money. No pot and no money. <laughs> well played. <laughs> That doesn't end know. there. He gave me a second <laughs> chance. He thought that it was a little too confusing for me having the money in my pocket. So he went, <laughs> he went to a store. I lived at Gardner and found him. He went to a store like on Santa Monica Boulevard and he got one of those little lockbox where you can put money inside, like a slide right. in, slide the money yeah. in. And he goes, Bob, so when you sell the pot and he had more pot than me to sell. He says, when you sell the pot. Sounds like he wasn't good either. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just found it comedic. You take half of the money and you slide it in here and then I'll come back on Monday and I'll get the box mm-hmm. and unlock it and then my half will be in there. All right. And I was like, got it, got it, got it, John. Got it, got it, got it. So same thing through and 
this time, Double B, there's all these initials, people, so I can say it. So Double B is at my house, and he goes, I go, he goes, let's get some dope. And I'm like, I don't have any money. And, and he goes, where's the pot money from the week before? <laughs> where, where, right? Where's the money that you had from feeling the pot? And I go, I haven't made any. I got all this pot, but I don't, I don't, um, but I don't, but I haven't sold any. And he goes, well, we can trade the pot for everything. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so, so we go and trade. You know, we took so like eighty dollars worth of pot. We traded for heroin, and and then and then the heroin dealer also dealt coke. So then I thought, oh my god, would you trade me? Would you give me coke for pot? <laughs> so so come the next oh, time wow. the J cat comes by for the money, I'm just I'm just quiet. I'm kind of hungover, and I'm in my dining room. And he comes and goes, where's the box? And I it was right there on the counter. And he goes, with this key and opens it. And there's nothing in there. And there's no pot in the house. Please, I for fucking please tell me you acted surprised. Like, I was what like, the wait fuck? A minute. No, I did. I did. I did. I, I put like, I sold like three of them. I know I put the money in it. Like, you always know, lie halfway. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, there should be something in there, and bro. And then I tried to I blame Double V. Like, Double V told me that I could trade pot for heroin. I didn't know. And, and the drug <laughs> dealer, the pot dealer was like, oh my God, Bob. Oh my God. Yeah, you're that just, was you're just never gonna be a good pot dealer, uh, or or in any dealer. I mean, the idea, you didn't even do what you sold, and you couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he wa- thought I would be perfect because I'm not gonna yeah. smoke it. But he well, had no idea what the other possibilities are. <laughs> <laughs> well, he learned. <laughs> Did he just oh. write it off? Did you guys stay friends? Oh yeah, we're still oh, friends. Oh yeah, we've all stayed friends. We've all been friends forever and ever in a day. So anyways, I just feel for these people and their families. I can't believe it. Like, I can't even like, cause I'm trying to think, I believe you, you are not born an addict. You become an addict. And there was a time from like 77 when I was 16 to like, when I was like 20, there was a time for like four years where, yeah, me and my friend Luis would get like, some black beauties and open them up and snort them. And we were just normal addicts, you know, not, not addicts. We're just normal kids having fun. And Mm -hmm. to think that nowadays you can die from that is just not right. It's, it's so fucked up. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's harsh. It really puts it in a whole nother light. Now, if, if the kids cared whether they lived or not, that would be helpful I think some of the ones that are are left, um, because we've lost so many, and it's just been it's been a dark couple years. It's been really dark. And uh, COVID the, has kind of blocked it out of my mind. I mean, COVID really does creep into your thinking and your everyday life constantly. And so I, I'm realizing, like, uh, you know, kids are dying. Kids have been dying the whole time. 2020 was the worst rate of drug overdose death in American history. But, but this really struck me. These normal people just, you know, on the canals in Venice, like trying to have a nice, you know, Sunday evening. Like it's been going on there for 80 years, 100 years. Yeah. Snorting Coke yeah. in the canals, that's been going on forever. Yep. And just so sad and fucked up. And, and then here's the other thing. When, 
when one person survives, like it just it, like how how horrible is she going to feel forever? Like that that I can't imagine. Like you know, one of one of the four people survived. You know, and has yeah. recovered. She must she must not as done as done as much because well, you don't you don't know if it's if it's uh, a or, grain or, too much or if it's a grain. If it's yeah. just yeah, if it's in a certain part of the coke, and maybe for. Is there any layman that listened to this podcast? I doubt it. So, uh, Chuck, explain it exactly. So if you take like an eight ball of Coke and you take like $100 worth of fentanyl and you put it in one of those turners, like I, so normal well, people wouldn't, wouldn't understand. $100 of fentanyl be so much that you, that would be way too much to mix with the cocaine. Okay, so say just $20 three worth. How much would you put in an eight ball? Oh, probably more like the original, well, how depending on how much it costs now but like a, a couple pills a couple five dollar pills would be enough to, to okay mix and with then that they and they put it in that greater thing that is like a smaller version of my mom used to have this thing that made flour you know that yeah it's like a sifter flour. yeah yeah like a sifter it's like a smaller version of that but, but a grinder it's got a top and a sifter, on yeah. it and you grind it up so you you put the eight ball in, you, you crush up the two pills, you take that powder, you put it in with the eight ball and you grind it around in the thing. And it's just literally a crapshoot where that fentanyl is in that Coke, right? Right. Whoever gets that line that's got a majority of that fentanyl is going to die, correct? Well, uh, yeah, but apparently it was three out of four people that got the majority. So there was, there was a lot in there. That's almost, that sounds like almost intentional. You know, that's one of those things where it's just like, how, how do you, how do you not know? How, how do you, with the, that's the thing is that you have to have a conscience, right? Maybe the drug dealer, dealer is so irresponsible. They don't realize they, if they make a mistake, they could kill three people. Could they Le be Corp's that dumb? need to just treat it as poisoning, you know, as like if you put fentanyl, if you're caught dealing fentanyl and putting it in something, you are putting poison <laughs> in drugs to kill people. That's that's how they should treat it. They should just flat out cut and dry. If you're fucking around with the dope with pent and cutting it with fentanyl, you Attempted get like murder? 20. I think it's manslaughter with with I was looking up the laws. There's a thing called manslaughter with with ma with ma with uh, something callous. Yeah, give them the maximum. Fuck it. Well, it, yeah, but I, but I don't. I don't even a lot. Sometimes people don't even do time on manslaughter. That's that's the problem. Well, I mean, that's after the case. the The thing is, is like if you're trying to scare somebody into not fucking doing that shit, and maybe using something else like real heroin or fucking. No, you know. I want to have two scare fronts. I'm talking about two fear fronts. I want to put the fear of God in drug dealers who sell this fucking poison that kills people. I want them life. to think twice about doing it because this, they hear that the penalty is so stiff. Right. You want that. Then simultaneous to that, I want to scare the casual drug dealer. I want to scare them into insisting that they talk to their drug dealer and say, hey, I don't want any of the fentanyl. Like, please, I don't want any of the fentanyl. Now, Chuck has been the one that's pointed out to me. They're asking for the fentanyl lace cocaine. Yeah, they're asking for it. Right. That's insane to me. Meth yeah. should be meth. Coke should be coke. Heroin should be heroin. Fentanyl <laughs> should be fentanyl. God, you, you sound so old. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> 
just oh, in say. the good old days, <laughs> back in my day, cocaine like was a cocaine. Moonshine or methamphetamine was methamphetamine. What do you mean you're mixing two corns? You got to use the one corn, Bob. Right. Can't be mixing the two corns. Voluntary manslaughter says it's three, six, or 11 years in jail for voluntary. voluntary. But, isn't there a, but there's something about with with malice. That is fucking callous. With malice or callousness, it makes it more serious. So I'll give you an example. If if. If a regular person who's never had a drunk driving arrest has too much to drink at the ye old steakhouse and drives and kills somebody and their blood alcohol level is like 0.14, they're charged with manslaughter and they get that three years probably stayed with, you know, community service or something. But if it's somebody who's had five DUI arrests and already served jail time for DUI, and they kill somebody like our friend Jack um, Zinder, Mike Mart, the yes. guy who killed him in a drunk driving car accident had had five prior DUIs. That gets a stiffer sentence. Right. That, that says with implied malice. Yeah. What is that? What is the penalty a, on that? A state prison sentence of 15 years to life. Oh, ooh, oh, whoa. Manslaughter with implied malice is 15 years to life. Yeah, but it's um, it that is also akin to second degree murder at that point, because it's not like you it's not first degree where you planned it, but it is still you what you did ended up in death, but you didn't lie in wait or something. You know, but you kind of it's what they get. It, listen, it's what they give guys that get in fights and then they pick up a, you know, a chair and they hit him and the guy dies. It's with malice, but it's not intentional manslaughter. Okay, so well, it's just something to think about. But I, I'd like to hear from our from our listeners. Like, is this happening where you live? Is this like a common everyday thing? I was just shocked. Like, this is what I've been talking about. Casual drug users are dying, Chuck. Casual yeah. drug users That's, are yeah. fucking dying. Not not kids have been to rehab 19 times like we like we deal with so much. Not hope to die junkies like Gloria Scott used to say. No, these are casual drug users are dying from fentanyl lace cocaine. The public needs to know there needs to be a public health emergency de declared. It's happening everywhere in the United States. The death rate is going to eclipse 100,000 people soon. 100,000 people. Chuck, did you ever think in your wildest dreams 100,000 Americans would die from drugs in a year and nobody, everybody would just yawn? Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah, no, I thought it would, they would stop yawning at 40 or at 50. <laughs> but it, I really did. I really thought that would make a difference. But 40,000, 50,000? Yeah, I thought that that was going to open up people's minds and, and it was going to affect enough people's individual homes that everybody was going to know somebody who was a good person, who was not what everybody thinks about when they think about a drug addict. Like or a Bob junkie. Forrest or Mike Mart. That's, exactly. You know? <laughs> not, not like you guys, but like good people. <laughs> with a with a soul 
I thought that that would make a difference. And, and instead, there was backlash from all sorts of different communities saying, well, when it was crack, no one cared. Now that it's white people, no one cares. And white people beat up on white people as much as anybody else does. And so we, 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 in this really, maybe we should start selling don't die cocaine that is pure cocaine with no fentanyl. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea, Chuck. <laughs> Says the most reasonable don't die member. I want to. I want to think about that. I want to. Wait a minute. That could be very lucrative for us, gentlemen, and that would be a public good. Oh, yeah, right. Chuck, I think you're on to something. The most reasonable of us came up with that idea too, Mike. Oh no, the most that wasn't a Mike Mart idea. No, that was a Chuck idea. That was not guaranteed. It, it would be like dolphin safe tuna. It would come with a guaranteed no fentanyl or your money back and, and it had Bob's smiling face on it. It said rehab Bob Go to town. upside down on the, on the bindle. To rehab Bob. Be careful. Don't die. Don't oh, that's a die. terrible okay. idea, guys. Don't that's a die terrible meth. idea. Is there such a thing as don't die meth? I think you can uh, die from meth. I used to think you couldn't die from meth. Uh, now but I'm they've hearing been doing all these it. reports of people are dying from meth. Can yeah. you imagine what that death is like? You're like tweaked out. And you're horrible. like going all around your house and you're sweating and you're fucking freaked out. And then you just drop dead. Like how much you're <laughs> full of anxiety. You're full of anxiety, paranoia. You're sweaty well, wait, and stinky. Now, the, is, it the, is it the meth with, with fentanyl in it? Because in the No, meth, the just meth. pure meth. Pure yeah. meth they're dying from. You know, your t- atypical meth addict was like, 113 pounds and like tweaked out and putting wires up their penises and stuff like that it mm. wasn't nowadays it's like 250 pound people people that don't sit, fit the prototypical you know drug addict look and that yes. maybe have heart conditions and stuff heart to conditions begin with that, yeah and i was thinking about that last night i was at disneyland at the haunted mansion sydney wanted to go it's the first weekend of Jack Skellington and the Haunted Mansion turns over, oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're following. waiting in line, and a fight broke out between two ruffian girls, gals, right? I, I would consider they were from the tough part of Southern California. And then broke out. Then it broke out bigger. Then it got bigger. And you're just sitting there thinking, like, there's got to be security at Disneyland. Where are the police at Disneyland? Why is this getting so out of hand? Chuck, it got crazy out of hand. Like no there was way. 20 or 30 people fighting in the entryway of, of Haunted Mansion, full on fighting. And we were all just standing there in line like, what the fuck? Where is security? And finally, they came and they closed the gates of, of Haunted Mansion. And the, some cops were inside the Haunted Mansion and some cops were outside. They like divided the fight. Right. But uh-huh. it went on for a good 20 minutes. No way. And I rea- yes. And I realized, like, no ma- in any circumstance, the- there's way more people than there are people to stop violence from happening. The riots are an example of that. This thing last night, you know, it was kind of crazy. Like, you first heard the yelling and then some punches were thrown and we could see it through because we were already in inside the gate and we could see it through the gate things like they're fighting, they're fist fighting. There's two girls just wailing on each other. And then two guys, I guess their friends started wailing on each other. And soon, all of a sudden you had this melee in front of the Haunted Mansion. And I believe 
It was about cutting in line. I swear to God. Well, that all makes sense now. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> these are <laughs> these are grown adults physically fighting in front of some of their own children. And by the way, everybody else's children. Um, and Sid was a little not scared, but she was like looking at me for guidance. And I, I was like, it's why we don't cut in line, Sid. And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> and she, <laughs> I tried oh, to no. find a lesson there. Instead yeah. of these fucking people are infants. They're emotional infants. They're celebrated in rap music. There's the ignorance is celebrated everywhere on social media. These people don't even know how to resolve somebody cutting in front of them in line at the haunted mansion without duking it out in front of their children. That's they, the society we live in. They don't even know what a ruffian is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, you know, it was where, the craziest thing. Where were and the this, Disney gangs? Where were the they, Disney gangs to break that up? They they are they all wear white shirts. There's not like I realize there's no real like security looking people at Disneyland. The security people wear white shirts and, and kind of look like they blend in with with it. By the time, you know, 15 minutes in, there was like 20 of them all with white shirts, like looking like they were going to do a barbershop quartet. <laughs> <laughs> hey maybe they were the band from the french quarter over there <laughs> they were black op trained they took it those gates and locked them and half of them went inside a haunted mansion and half were outside and they so you immediately dividing this thing that had spread all over the the entryway of haunted mansion and then you know what's crazy how 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 dumb people are after you're stopped, after it's all calmed down, after you're just trying to de-escalate and figure out who's going to jail, the, some of these women were still screaming at each other through the gate. Well, like, yeah. if you want to identify yourself as a person of interest, <laughs> do that. <laughs> Five years and one day for the ruffians. Five years and one day. If they had Five only years had one day. <laughs> I'm just like, I am worn out, worn out. Now I'm not in the greatest shape. I'm kind of pudgy around the middle, but like I can take care of business. I can get, I can walk pretty fast. I can go, I can go, go, go. And I look at these people that are just lumping along. Like, how do they do it? Bob's not talking about like fighting or anything. He's not talking about, he's in his fighting weight or anything. He's, he can still run I'm not, away yeah, from I'm not in my melee. I'm not in my meth weight. Which Bob, I, 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 I'm did you the start the fight, Chuck. Bob? Did you start the fight? I, I can I can get around. I can get around. I don't know if you follow a five-year-old's logic, Chuck. Have you ever done that before? It's very uh -huh. juxtaposition. So Fantastic. they don't, Sydney doesn't have like this section has these rides. You know, she doesn't have that discernment yet. Right. So we're at the Winnie the Pooh ride, which is in the farthest back part of the park beyond the Haunted mm -hmm. Mansion. We get off there. I said, what do you want to go on now? And she said, the teacups. I said, whoa, 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 Sid. Whoa, sit. I want to sit down right here. So right <laughs> now, <laughs> right now, we're near the Haunted Mansion. We're near Pirates of the Caribbean. We're near Jungle Cruise. And we're near Space Star Wars. And she goes, yeah, but I want to go in the teacups. I go, no, no, just hold on. Is there, we're not coming back to this section then. And she goes, why? 
And I said, well, because we're here now. If you want to go to Star Wars, we should go to Star Wars. If you want to go to Pirates of the Caribbean, we should go. She goes, well, I want to go on the teacups. So we walk over to the teacups. We do the teacups. We get up the teacups. What do you think she says? I want to go to Star Wars. What of the course. fuck is wrong with these children? <laughs> what is fucking, what can't they understand? She's five, Bob. <laughs> what is wrong? She's five. She's five. You should. We were just 10 <laughs> seconds away from Star Wars 40 minutes ago. Well, you this have is to, why Bob, this... you have to lead them. Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> well, Bob, it, you don't understand. She wanted to go on the teacups first. And it all makes sense to her. <laughs> have you been to the Star Wars part, Mike? It's so dope. No, I have not been it since looks the Star Wars. So real. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I love I don't know. I'm not a big Star Wars person, but you know, and it's weird, Chuck, walking around there. It's like where they keep all the Star Wars people. They're all there. <laughs> like it's just an atypical look. Of like a guy yeah. who's obsessed with Star Wars, they're yeah. just sitting there having a little picnic in the Star Wars area. And the it's security like, is the security dressed like Star Troopers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there that wasn't a fight cool. there. It was all <laughs> just the nerdy Star Wars fans all sitting around. Some of them wear the outfits, Chuck. Yeah. It's kind of freaky for a thirty-two-year-old guy to be wearing the you know the the Star Wars outfits. Kind of yeah. weird. Yeah, kind they're of like LARPers. They're like LARPers and those people. Who is it? What is it? LARP LARPers. The people that LARP live action role play. You know, the people <laughs> live that... action. What? There's a, they're the you, LARPers. You, come on. Yeah, Do they LARPers. have sex like that? What is it? What I don't I don't know that they have sex like that, but they 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 live out those uh the video games and the things and they, they yeah, there's a whole there's a whole culture of those people. Mike, are it's you like, aware of this? I, I well, was I'm not aware of the sex part. That sounds kind of cool. No, yeah, but no, I was <laughs> I was playing a song the other day on Spotify, and the guy I work with, Joe, goes, "Sounds like something you'd play at a LARPing event." And I I looked at him and I go, "Is that what they listen to at LARPing events? How do you know? What do they and listen to at LARPing events? Why well, do I they don't call know. them LARPers? Live action, action role, role play, play. Why do they just call them role play. That's got it." Any time, anything that's role play is sex. You guys, come on. No, they, they also. There's got to be some they, sexual angle to it. Well, <laughs> well, maybe I'll do some research. Yeah, I mean, do maybe some we can research get, about LARP. We really got to lighten the load. We can't have every show about this right. tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Hey, let's talk about our slot on Sunday, the um, 26th. 26th at 345 to 45. I hope I remember the day. Because that, it's, it, that's it's a, a Sunday, Sunday of the right? first weekend, Bob. My my biggest concern is that I'm the first we're playing weekend. on Saturday, right? No, the first weekend that was all booked up. We didn't have. Okay. we don't we don't have that choice. Okay, Sunday is the Pearl Jam have, day. Sunday is the day Pearl okay, Jam plays. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. But when is when is the day Plural One plays? We have to get Josh Klinghoffer on Don't Die podcast. I know that, and he will. But Plural One is playing on uh, the Friday of um, the Encore weekend. No, no, because no, but Josh plays in the Eddie Vedder. Right. Eddie exactly. Vedder. They play, I think they play on Saturday. Okay. The Eddie Vedder solo thing. September 26th is Pearl Jam. Uh, Eddie Vedder's on September 25th. 
with Maggie Rogers, The Frame, Spoon, uh, there's Pearl Jam. On the 26th, it's Pearl Jam, Brandy Carlisle, Yola. But we want the encore weekend. We want people to go and buy tickets and go down there and because and, uh, that's why they did a second weekend. The first weekend sold out, right? So they're doing a second weekend. Yeah, but you so can get still tickets. get tickets. You can get tickets through other agencies. They sell all the tickets. I know. That's the new And the it's new, a little bit more, yeah, it's new, more expensive. But they can still, you know, they can still go and see, you know, these great bands. Right, right. Well, I want to see Plural One, everybody's got to see. Because Josh has made, I believe, four albums now as under that moniker called Plural One. And not the one that just came out, but the last one was so good. And he makes it himself. He plays all the instruments, and he's never played live as Plural One. So this is going to be the first time Josh Klinghoffer plays live as Plural One. Yeah, And, oh, and he's going to try to do it by himself, which is... I've seen him do, you know, because for those that don't know, I had a band with, with this kid, Josh Klinghoffer. He's the greatest musician, I, the loveliest guy. And it was called The Bicycle Thief. And Everybody he knows that, Bob. What yeah, you some people don't know that. So he <laughs> yeah. played drums, guitar, uh, Chuck, at that time when he was like 18 years old. He was a really good drummer and he was becoming a good guitar player. Since then, in the last 20 20 something years he's become an amazing piano player like an amazing keyboard player and a like top of the world guitar player and so i've watched him become all this so he makes these records chuck imagine if you could play every instrument really well and you had unlimited kind of time to record an album right. what that would be like <laughs> and he's got a lot of real world experience um touring and playing and being in recording studios and all that so he knows a lot of the tricks too it's not enough to just have but i, to I just got to see him do it like it's going to be really interesting because how do you play good drums guitar piano all you the same samples time. and you uh yeah, and yeah. You switch he plays i've seen a little bit of what he's done with me he'll play the riff on the guitar and lock it into some pedal that plays it over and over again chuck mm -hmm. yeah like a you know a it's whole a loop pedal a yeah whole, a whole uh verse thing and then starts with the drum machine we actually did a great version that i think you can see on youtube of streets of philadelphia by bruce springsteen in philadelphia and Josh just practiced. I said, we should play Streets of Philadelphia when we play Philadelphia. And he practiced it. And then the day of the gig, he goes, we could do it. I have it all down. And he had a drum machine. He had guitar layers. And then he had the guitar on top of it. And all at once, just one person playing drums, bass, guitar, and live guitar. And I sang it. And I screwed up the words. Oh, of course. <laughs> he did all that <laughs> he did all that and played it perfect and then i had the lyrics in my hand and still screwed it up <laughs> did well. you stop the song in the middle no i just kept i was lost and once you get lost in a, in a thing that's all locked in like that Mike, you're uh, kinda, yeah, you can't yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. can't you can't really you can't really say start it from the top right yeah. so i just tried to figure out where i was and came in on the on the streets of philadelphia <laughs> that's my bruce nice. imitation wow. <laughs> so plural one is a must see eddie and josh's bands must see and some other interesting things going on pearl jam playing last i mean pearl jam can sometimes play for three hours chuck are you gonna are you gonna be there the whole time 
I haven't ever watched anybody play for three hours. I can't imagine. <laughs> that, that reminds me. The only other people I know that play for three hours or more was Thelonious Monster. And it was so it was so crazy to think like most people would leave, but there was a core audience that would just stay till the bitter end, right? If I can get some don't die LSD, I could do three hours. <laughs> So, so I got to tell this story. So I wasn't a big fan of the boss when the boss was the boss. Like I was punk rock back then. I couldn't be, couldn't be a Springsteen fan and the boss. So like in 85, somebody asked me to go to the sports arena to see Bruce Springsteen. And I was like, it was, it was a girl. So I was like, yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I'll go. (laughs) So, so we went and there was a, with a group of people who were all Bruce Springsteen fanatics. So this would have been Darkness on the Edge of Town album, maybe, or before. I, he didn't have Born in the USA. Oh, so maybe it was 83. <laughs> might have been 83. So, so anyways, go to the sports arena. I'm bored shitless after. Like, I don't know the songs. I'm just like, this guy's kind of a ham bone. I remember saying that. He's like a ham bone. He's like a, he's like a wannabe Sam and Dave. I was very critical of the boss in his prime. And so I went out, I drank a lot and I went out to the girl's car and just kind of took a nap. I was kind of pouting, wanting her to leave with me, but she wouldn't leave because she loves the boss so much. So I said, well, I'm going to go out and wait in the car. And so I went out and I was sitting in the car and I was kind of expecting her to come out like the great Bob Torres is out in her car. She better, you know, wise up if you want to go home, let's go home. So she never comes back out. I fell asleep, like drunk, fall asleep in the car, woke mm-hmm. up like I had drooled on myself. I was I had been out for a while. I walked back in. I'd, I'd been out in the parking lot for like an hour and 20 minutes. I walked back in and people are coming out of the sports arena gate and I just walk right in again. The guy's still playing. The guy's still <laughs> fucking playing. I had watched an hour and a half of it. I had gone and took in an hour and a half nap. And he was still playing. It's unbelievable how much some people will play. Right? Yeah, I, I, I just don't have that sort of thing in me. I don't have that. Uh, Can you tenacity. imagine the, the Sex Pistols playing for three hours? Can you imagine the Sex Pistols playing for three hours? They used to play those giant long concerts, man. Led Zeppelin used to play two yeah, and a half they, hour they, concerts. They the Rolling 10, Stones 15, used to play. 20 minute songs, though. That was the oh. thing. That was like how Grateful Dead did it. They they, they just have forty five minute jams. Oh yeah, you can go. So I don't like, know oh, why, God. but I I'm just saying I don't know why it's so foreign to Bob. But you know, it's like it's that happens, man. They're major headliners. But I want to be I want to be respectful. I got I'm gonna stay to the end. I just gotta I got a nap before I go down there on Sunday. Gotta I gotta remember, get ready. These are, these are super fans that paid a lot of money and they want to see every minute of that three hours. Well, you know, there is a thing about Pearl Jam where they have a lot of, they have so many songs. I mean, I don't know how many albums. I'm not going to be bored. I'm going to love it. They have, they have songs that they don't play very often. And apparently people are just mind blown when they do, I guess they rehearse new songs, all old songs all the time. And they'll just throw a, a song in. And so I started to see the correlation. Because I remember being at a dead show and they did dark five star. hours. They did dark star. And my friend was so excited. And I was like, what? I, 
fill me in. What's the big deal? And he was jumping up and down. I can't believe it. I fucking can't believe it. I can't believe it. Like, <laughs> like, so excited that the dead were playing a song they hadn't played in many years. I was walking with a with a uh, addict the other day down Pico Boulevard, and he says to me, um, you're a big music guy, right? And I said, well, I don't know how big I am. Like, I'm big, but I'm not gigantic. Right. And just he my, didn't get the just joke. My belly's big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just <laughs> around the middle. And he didn't get the joke. And he's he's a he's a millennial. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm a big music fan. And he goes, um, I'm really into the dead. And I go, good for you. And he goes, have you seen him with John Mayer? And I said, yes, I have. I, I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised that John Mayer was humble and John not John Mayer esque when he plays in the dead. And he goes, yeah, I think he's better than anybody that's been in the dead in a long time. And I said, well, I said, well, but really the dead was all about Jerry, right? It really is. There's nobody. Jerry, right. Jerry Garcia was bigger than music. Can we say that? Mm -hmm. He was oh. bigger than the dead. He was bigger than oh, music. Yeah. He was a cultural phenomenon. Exactly. And what he represented was freedom, free thinking, free sex free drugs, freedom, free, free to make your own decisions. And, and to me, it's not that he was a guitar player. He's Jerry Garcia. He represents a time and place that doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Freedom does not exist. That kind of freedom, right? It's just so kind of crazy. And I started, I, I started fantasizing like, I don't think Jerry Garcia could survive in the world that exists right now. No, I no. think he'd get arrested all the time. He'd be me too. He'd be like, he would not <laughs> be able to survive. It's like Brian Wilson. When I saw Brian Wilson, it was, it was like, I realized that, you know what? It's kind of good that he's older and he's probably not, you know, he's, he's at the end of his life. <clears throat> if Jerry Garcia was alive, he'd be appalled at all this. You know, yeah, to believe all all naively like Brian Wilson does that everything is going to be beautiful. Yeah, twenty twenty one ain't for sissies. Twenty twenty one ain't for sissies. I like that. <clears throat> Let's end it with that. Yeah, twenty twenty one ain't for sissies. <laughs> now we're gonna get. Now we're gonna get crucified for using the term sissy. You know that. Why? What's wrong with being a sister? <laughs> yeah well no we can't say it ain't for sisters because it's, it's all about the sisters oh Us it's brothers, about the gotta sisters. look out for our brothers, sisters. brothers and sisters yes. anyways i want to say you know please if you're a regular everyday socializing drug user be careful be careful yeah. These the warnings are not just for real drug addicts they're for everybody <laughs> who takes drugs yeah, yeah. Especially. Don't die. Don't die. That's the whole goal. Hey, when you want to have a nice night out with your friends and snort some coke, not dying is one of the top priorities. Of yeah, get those, get those strips that Chuck was talking about. Get those oh, strips nobody's going to do that. that. You guys are naive as fuck. All right, good night. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> Bye. See you later. See you.